Okay, Jeff, you're off the phone over there. I think we're ready to start this. Let me get my headphones on here. Now, I don't mean to scare you, but I got a stack of notes over here. So uh, just <clears throat> just brace yourself. I am braced. All right. Well, let's see what we got. Thank you for listening to the Fields Let me start Brothers this one. Show. I started one. Go ahead. Does the music start? I don't hear anything. Do we need the, the intro thing? Does that matter? The music's playing, Jeff. Your I'm not hearing not anything. Working. Your headphones not working then. Okay, it's coming through now. Okay, yeah. well, welcome everyone. Yeah, put this, your headphones this over is, your ears, Jeff. Well, no, it was over. Just this oh, cord. Yeah. <laughs> this cord. If you look at it, we got to shorten the cord. Could, okay. Yeah, we do. We well, really well do. it's a low budget anyway, operation, well, Jeff. True, so you know, <laughs> if you wanted the premier cord for your headphones, well, we just have to. Well, welcome we everyone. Welcome everyone to the low budget, low production value podcast known as the Fields Brothers Show, and we are glad that you're here. I am Jeff Fields. I'm here with my brother Roger. We're coming to you from Central Kentucky. Getting a little chilly here these days, but had a great uh, Thanksgiving and still here in the Thanksgiving weekend. We forgot about that holiday again last time we recorded, Roger. We always forget about the when uh, to to acknowledge holidays in our yep. recordings most of the time. So, yep. well, but anyway, so um, we enjoy talking about uh, the gospel, the good news, and you know what Jesus Christ did is good news. There's no bad news in the good news, and it is just good news. It's not good advice. It's good news, and it's all because of the cross. And so, Roger, I've got, you know, this is a little bit different. I gave you a little bit of a head heads up on a topic I want to talk about, but well, we can do that in the second pocket we're recording to here. We can do that in the second one, or we can do the first one. Well, let what? me give, give you my little, <coughs> I know we're already past Thanksgiving, but let me okay. new, and I post this on Facebook, but you know, I okay. read an article, a couple of articles about how they, you know, we know a lot more about the brain now because of MRIs and stuff, and just just, just a whole lot of stuff we I think we're well, learning we're deep right so, off the bat here. Well, aren't we? anyway, what is, it's, it's really not that deep, but they, they do know that just the way uh, that gratitude helps you to think better. It just helps mm-hmm. your brain health. And uh, Irma McManus said it this way. He goes, gratitude is really a lubricant for the brain. Like that's it. an interesting way of thinking. Who's it, Rick? You know? I think I, I think I know him. Irwin McMahon. Oh, Irwin McMahon. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. different than someone. I thought you were yeah. talking about somebody else. Okay, uh, you're the Rick Moranis, the no, actor. No, 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 no. There's a there's a good all right. There's a good teacher out there. Okay, days. anyway, um, so anyway, so I, I said I posted that you know being thankful, um, having gratitude is kind of like the WD forty for your brain. You know, it's even a good idea in the morning. Just every now and every now and then, just say what you're thankful for. I mean, I, and I'm probably as bad as anybody at focusing on what's not working rather than focusing on what is working, what God has done. But just acknowledging God for what he's done, being thankful for that, um, uh, I think um, is good mental health. is just a good thing to do. Anyway, the whole thing go. of thinking, I mean, that's what repentance is all about, of just change our thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally we, what it means. And, uh, you know, that's becoming more and more, and it's it's a lifelong process. Yeah. You know, it's not like, boing, all of a sudden all of our thinking is immediately <laughs> goes from dark to light. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You How like the sound effect? Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did that with no special effects. That came right out of Jeff's we head. Did. I do my own stunts yeah, here. Yeah, he does so. his own special effects. But it, it is a it is a gradual process. I mentioned I think a few months ago it kind of uh, occurred to me it's it's it typified in the morning dawn. You know, wouldn't it be weird if if sunrise came instantly? You know, okay, sunrise tomorrow morning at six forty three, and at six forty two it's pitch black, and six forty three, boing. boing. <laughs> I, I did that again for you. Yeah, what? You know, it's just instantly daylight, and so I think that's a, an analogy and an illustration of how our thinking and the light of God dawns on us yeah. over time. It's an awe moment. It's an epiphany. I mean, yeah. there are yeah, yeah, there are there are some yeah. moments for sure. Yeah, but um, that's just kind of in one area and all that. So, but anyway, 
do you, so I mean, do you want me to jump into this this topic that I told you about, or you want to save that for the next No, podcast? go ahead. All right. No, okay. go ahead. I got, I got a stack of stuff, and my stuff can wait, Jeff, okay. for your stuff. Okay. So go ahead. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Um, so this is something that, you know, I've kind of touched on a roundabout way, but um, I thought it would be good to kind of hit it head on. Um, I posted something on Facebook, and someone that listens to our podcast on a regular uh, basis, someone we've met in person a few years ago and appreciate, um, asked about, you know, could we address this more on, on a podcast. And so it has to do, I'll go ahead and throw out the big scary theological term, but don't let that scare you. Uh, the term is uh, penal substitutionary atonement. The acronym okay, is often down, Jeff, mentioned. I'm writing this down. The, the, I you're you're okay. not writing it down. Your hands are folded there. <laughs> you, don't even, oh, okay, you do have a pen. So the, the acronym is PSA, uh, not public service announcement, not the, uh, the prostate cancer PSA, but the uh, penal substitutionary atonement. So let me say a couple things about this before we get into it. Then, I'm, Roger, I'll give you a chance to, to tell me why I'm wrong on this. Yeah, I mean, I would not even recognize the word. I mean, I may have vaguely recognized the phrase a few years ago, but really didn't know what it meant and what the significance of it was. But it's basically the idea, and it has to do with what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Mm -hmm. And so it has to do with penal substitutionary atonement sees the cross in a legal framework that Jesus was punished for our sin, that God, we man sinned against God, and in order for God to accept us, in order for God to forgive us, that sin had to be punished. And so because he didn't want to punish us, because he loved us, he sent his son to take the punishment for us. And then once Jesus took the punishment for us, God was satisfied and then he could accept us. And so that's it's probably not the best description, but that's in a, in a simple no, way. That's a nutshell, pretty yeah. good synopsis. Um, so so it's, it's, it's a legal framework. Now, two or three things here before we get into this. One, I want to, if, if anyone, so I'm, I'm going to be honest and kind of share where my thinking on this and how it's changed over the last couple of years. Um, those listening to us, you may not agree, and that is perfectly fine. So I'm not here to I don't to, agree with 75% <laughs> of what you say, Jeff. Well, I only so, agree with about 95% okay. of what I say myself. So, but... And so if someone doesn't agree, that's fine. And so, you know, I'm not here to win an argument or win a debate or anything like this. I'm just kind of sharing my thoughts. I am convinced that uh, that view of the cross, and there are different views of the cross. That's been interesting, and I haven't researched them all out. But there are, there are different, you know. Well, the cross did more than there. one thing. I mean, the cross <clears throat> had more than one Right, well, that's true. Objective. But, yeah. But, yeah. So, um, but I am convinced that that the view of of viewing the cross as a legal punishment, penal substitutionary atonement was not held in the first few centuries of the early church from best I can tell. And I, and I admit I haven't read all the early church fathers and all this stuff, but I've read people who have and, and they've convinced me that this was not the view of, of the first few hundred years of the early church. It is also primarily a view of Western evangelical teaching. And I'm, I'm beginning to appreciate the fact that Christianity in the world is a lot bigger than what we have here in the West in America. In Kentucky, even I mean, <laughs> well, not Kentucky. Okay, no. we're, right. we're the remnant right. here in Kentucky, but okay. but that that Western evangelical view on a lot of these things, including this, is somewhat a minority view of Christendom throughout the world and Christianity in the world, and so this view is kind of a, a, attached to that. And it's not just a you know, one hand, someone may hear this. Well, this is just a stuffy, dry theological issue what does it matter you know well 
I think it matters because they, you know, point my own personal testimony. Is, anyway, as I've, that's what we specialize in, Jeff. Stuffy, stuffy dried doctrinal stuffy, things. Uh, doctrinal issues. I mean, I, we've not, got Bible college degrees on that. Specialty. I mean, don't we? We got a, we got degrees in that. In All the, right. That's what our diploma says: okay. a bachelor in stuffy biblical literature. Yeah, I think right. is my, yeah. my diploma. But um, but for me, it really has given me a greater appreciation for the love of God. It has in changing my view of what's what Jesus accomplished at the cross. For me, has made God much more endearing, much more lovable. It's kind of an odd way to say it, but has increased the love that I that I experience and feel for God when I saw what was done at the cross, and kind of consistent with that. Um, and and this is this view is not is not new. So the idea that it was not um, penal substitutionary atonement that a different view is is really not new and is taught by different people throughout the centuries and including today one of the ones that that i've learned a lot from is baxter kruger a lot of our listeners will recognize that name and he tells about a preacher in the 1800s in scotland uh, named john mcleod campbell that he had a congregation in scotland and he said that every time he pre and you know it was good folks in the congregation he said every time he preached on the love of god it bounced off the people and he eventually, after talking to people and, and thinking through it and talking to a lot of the people in the congregation, he eventually came to the conclusion that as long as they viewed the cross as Jesus being punished by the Father, they would never be able to grasp the love of God. And so I don't, and so that, and that's been true of me as I've seen it as punishment rather than a cure. So that's the other side of this. Rather than a framework, a legal framework where sin is punished, we see it as a, in a relational framework where sin is cured, and we see sin as a disease more than a, or I do anyway, this and this, that sin is more of a disease that needs to be cured, needs to be eliminated, needs to be eradicated, more than a crime that needs to be punished. And so for John McLeod Campbell in the 1800s in Scotland, he said, you know, as long as the people in congregation still viewed the cross as Jesus being punished by the Father, they were not able to grasp the love of God. So... So that's why I think it is important on this. And so for some people, you hear that term penal substitutionary atonement. Some people, I'm sure, Roger, their ears will perk up. Oh, okay, I want to see what Jeff and Roger say about this. Other people don't have a clue of what it is, <laughs> and they're wondering. But I think it is worth addressing because it does have to do with what's, what happened at the cross. So I've got a lot more here, but well, we'll I'll stop you, there okay, for a second. Okay, I'll say this. You. Okay, I'm processing all this, but I do <clears> think it, there's a, absolutely a valid point that – when you see this, it, when you see your father God as somebody who's so mad, so upset with you, so angry, that the whole nature of our relationship comes down to he had to take it out on Jesus right. so that he could then love us or accept us, I do think that's a problem. It becomes and, kind of uh, a, a good cop, bad cop type yeah, of thing. Yeah, and it's, um, you, you know, it begs the question, okay, what what's God really like? Yeah. I mean, what is he like? Is he, you know... Um, now, there's, for instance, let me ask you, I mean, how do you, I mean, I know there's different ways to interpret this, but for instance, in Hebrews 10, um, let's see, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So there's a lot about the cross being a sacrifice. Oh, for sure. Okay? Yeah, it absolutely So how do you, so you make it like a sacrifice that cures sin? Is that what you're... Right, right. That's not a... Uh, verse 14, which is one of my favorite <clears throat> verses in the Bible, for a by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So the... I mean, it is interesting that when you see that, like, for instance, this statement would bear uh, itself towards your your argument. In other words, for a single offering, he has perfected for all time. In other words, the, the offering perfected us 
Exactly. Didn't yes. keep God from, you know, right. it, it, it's it's more about what the cross, how the cross impacted us personally. Bingo. Rather than <laughs> well, how, the cross, quick. <laughs> how the cross impacted you. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I'm not, you know. And, and that's one of the points that's often made is that the cross did not change. The cross was not to change God. Right. The cross was to change us. And I agree with that. That it's like, okay. And what it, what it ends up doing when you, when you view everything in a legal framework, it makes God a legalist. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I almost thought about actually starting this with a trick question, a tramp question for you, Roger. You know, say, okay, is God a legalist? Well, I think our immediate reaction would say no. But, but in a way, yes. It, the the way, way we've said it. The way yeah. we've set he's it gotta up. Get the, yes. He's got to get the account settled. You right. know, he's got to he get cannot the ledger to work. That, you know? I mean, Adam ate a piece of God's fruit when he wasn't supposed to. Roger, mm-hmm. you just don't eat a piece of God's fruit and get away with it. Adam was yeah. the one hiding in the bushes, though. Right. You know? And God went seeking him. So, so it's the idea that it's not a crime to be punished. It, it's a disease to be eradicated, to be, be, be cured. But it does, I think the whole thing of seeing it all in a, a legal framework makes God a legalist. That's like that he can't accept us until the, you know, the crime has been punished. And we wouldn't treat our own children that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, when, our, when our children now, any discipline we do to our children when they're younger you know, should be for their own benefit, should be for the training. And Hebrews talks about that. You know, so I think there is discipline from the father, but it's not to even a score. It, it's not to not in retribution. Right. It's right. for training for right, the future. Right. There's discipline. Just like a an athletic trainer, you know, puts you through pain, not to punish you, but All for right. the future. Let me give you another thing. verse. Tell okay. me how you how you would hand, interpret this one. This is also in uh, Hebrews ten, uh, verse nineteen. Therefore, mm-hmm. brothers. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. So he opened up a new way to God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It does not mean that you know God had to be satisfied with you know right, so I, right. but it does the cross I mean, is absolutely th- this, necessary. this is yeah, and this is even I mean, I think that there's many facets to the cross, to the blood of Jesus and what that accomplished, and this would be one where it just opens up However, it does that. It doesn't really define how it does this in, in these verses, but it opens up a new way. It says point blank, a new way for us to have access mm-hmm. to God. And whether it's because it, you would say, well, I, mean, I would probably agree that cured something in us. Now, one, one of the main that. passages um, that you haven't even brought up yet um, is Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that uh, here for a second. So, because there is a verse in there, there's, there's two main verses in the Bible. That that you've not even brought up that are often. Well, I'm getting there, but go ahead. All right, there. All right. So, um, you know Isaiah 53. Um, well, hold on here. Let me. Da, 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 da. Which I read the other day. Interestingly enough, is not allowed to be read in a lot of Jewish synagogues. Did you know? Oh, really? No, I did not know. I'll read that. any place in Old Testament you can read, except you're not allowed to read okay. Isaiah 53. Okay, so Isaiah 53 4. I don't even know what translation this is, but you know it's an English translation. Translation. Indeed, he carried our afflictions yeah, and okay. our sufferings. He bore them, but we considered him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. Okay, mm-hmm. now that sounds yeah. like on face value, God the Father. If we read God as God the Father, you know, that he is punishing the son. And there's different translations that sound like that. Okay. 
Jersey. Say that well, okay, I can answer that one for you. Okay, go ahead. Well, it doesn't say that's what happens. Is we we esteemed it that right. way. That's okay. what it Good seems point. like. Yeah. That it looks to us like well, if you look from an, from an outsider's perspective, right. and from the perspective of most people, if something bad happens to you, it's because God's getting back at yeah, you. Exactly. And so we esteem that way. Well, evidently, God's getting back at him. It doesn't say that's right. what happened. Is that's the way we esteemed it, or that's the way we viewed it? I've got to give you more credit than I thought. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what's interesting is the how that I'm going to read because I read you the English translation. I'm going to read you the translation from the Septuagint. So we're really getting deep here. You know what? As a Bible college graduate, you know what the Septuagint yep, is, right? That'd be the Greek translation okay. of the Hebrew Old Testament. The 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 in the Septuagint now we're translating Greek into this. So the Greek translation of the Old Testament translated into English reads like this. That same verse in Isaiah 53, 4, quote, This one bears our sins and suffers for us, and we considered him to be in pain and affliction and mistreatment. Doesn't say anything about God there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah. you know, that's the Greek translation. I mean, that was the translation of the of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures that many of the people in Jesus' day went by. Right. You know, the ones that, right. that spoke Greek. Right. And there's other, it's interesting, there's two other verses in, um, in the New Testament, that that loosely quote that um, Matthew eight seventeen. Now I'm reading from the ESV. Matthew eight seventeen. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. I think that's significant. You know, Matthew's commentary in Matthew eight, when he's quoting loosely from fifty three. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases, and then in First Peter two twenty four. Well, the, well the, in Isaiah fifty three five, by his wounds we are healed. Right. That meant yeah, but so. It, so, but it doesn't say anything about, you know, just points that part out, emphasizes the healing part. Right, of right. That. First Peter 2. Not by his wounds we made God happy. Right, right. Okay. We, we got God to calm down. You right. Know? <laughs> so First Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Let me read that again. First Peter two twenty four. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And so, he, I mean, that's a direct relation to you know puts it in the healing context there. And I thought the other day, you know, the whole thing of, of penal substitutionary atonement that God has to just punish sin that He's just you know He's just not happy and He can't be around us until it's punished. That, that's kind of contrary to the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, and, I, and forget the fact that the Sermon on the Mount is part of the Old Testament law, but even with that, you know, acknowledgement, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, Jesus says, this is not what it's about. You know, he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, you know, do good to those who mistreat you. That's a really rough paraphrase. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, God wasn't that way. I mean, so it's, it's almost like what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is contrary to, to that view. And so it, you know, when I have come to see in the Luke four thing, where the um, when Jesus stands up in the synagogue and talks about the why the Son of Man has come, you know, so it's set the captive free to you know, and it's all in a curative type of standpoint. He does um, he talks about giving his life as a ransom, so there is a payment, mm-hmm. but it's not in my view, my understanding, it's not a payment to God. God didn't, God the Father didn't need the payment. We sinned. And the, the natural consequence of sin is death. And the day you sin, you shall surely die from the Garden of Eden. And so that death is a separation in our minds. I don't think we were actually separated from God. We In him, we live and move and have our being, but we're alienated in our minds. And so there is, and we tried to live independent of God, and that does result in death. The wages of sin is death. It's not the wages of God is death. 
And so death is not God's legal punishment for sin. It's the natural consequence of trying to live independent of God. And so that debt had to be paid. And so Jesus died. He was without sin. And so when he died being without sin, he joined himself with us. Humanity had to die. And so I think in a, in a sense, Father, Son, and Spirit were saying, okay, humanity has, they tried to live independent from God. They're headed toward death, but we're going in. And we're not going to let that happen without, on their own. And Jesus says, I'm going in with you. And because he never sinned, he died with us, and he is the resurrection of life. And so he brought humanity out of the grave with that. So that, you know, it, it, it's a curative word or a term and not a punitive. The other is Psalm 22. Do you want to you got any something before I get to that? Well, no. I mean, I've got some stuff about this. This may take more than one podcast, Jeff. Okay. One of the other phrases that's often mentioned is, um, you know, Jesus on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And so that sounds, you know, if we just had that one verse only, that sounds like God the Father is forsaking God the Son. See, one of the problems with penal substitutionary atonement is it splits the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And this is, why, this is why the Trinity, I've come to appreciate the Trinity much more in the last couple of years, last year or two, is really important. Not as a stuffy, dry doctrine, but because of what it says about who God is. So Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a quote. We, you and I both remember that's from Psalm 22. That starts out, um, it says exactly that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? The Psalms, were, of course, were songs. And a lot of the people around the cross would have recognized that and would have known the entire psalm as well. Some speculate that, that Jesus may have gone on to quote the entire psalm. We don't know. But at least that first verse. But what's interesting is later on in that psalm, in verse 24, the same Psalm 22 says, quote, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. So in that same psalm, it basically says that no, God has not hidden his face from him. He has heard his cried out. In John 16, 32, in the upper room, Jesus says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered east to his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. And so, what verse is that? John sixteen thirty two. Sixteen thirty two. So okay. you know, just hours before the cross, he mm-hmm. says, "I am not alone." Said so everybody else is going to be scattered. You're going to be scattered, but I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. And even on the cross, it says, "You know, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." So mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a relationship there on the cross. So I'm convinced that that phrase on the cross, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" You know, he's just quoting David. So he's quoting. He's saying that for all of us. I mean, mm-hmm. all of humanity at one time or another feels forsaken by God. And so he is there in our place expressing that frustration, expressing that sense, that feeling that I'm on my own, that God has forsaken me, but yet he knew he still trusted in Father. So he's saying, yes, this is what it feels like. It feels like I've been forsaken, but yet at the same, on the same cross he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Mm-hmm. And so... So I don't think he was separated from God. See, that's where the Trinity comes into play, that if, if the Father and the Spirit are one, Father and Son and Spirit are one. There's another verse, I forget where it is, but it talks about that he, he said he suffered through his blood in the Spirit or something like that. So I think Father, Son, and Spirit were all there on the cross. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so I don't, I don't think that, you know, it was us that put Jesus. It was us that that put him to death. It was us that made him suffer. It was humanity that caused his pain. And so he entered that pain 
and let us do it to him in order to bring about our healing and, and our in our cure in that sense. And when you start seeing God this way, I mean, for me, it's made God much more endearing. You know, that verse in Romans, the kindness of God leads to repentance. And you see that what God did in the Father, Son, and the Spirit in taking that death that we had to go through uh, for us so that we could come out on the, on the backside with that. All right, we, we'll, we'll, pick it up on, we'll pick up on the, maybe the next podcast, but I have a whole other theory about because there there okay. is there's there's clearly the concept of payment or ransom mm-hmm. associated with with Jesus. We would say was I think it may even be something else, not paying off God so He won't be mad anymore, and maybe even beyond. Although I do totally agree that it is curative. There is sin is a, an illness or disease that needs to be cured. There may even be something else. And that's what I'd like to bring up. I guess maybe on the next podcast. One, one other quick thing before we wrap this up. It, it, it reminded me of when I first heard Wayne Jacobson teach, and this would have been going back <clears throat> probably 12, 13, about 12 years ago now. I heard him share about when, you know, he grew up in the church. He, he went to seminary. He pastored the church. And then after he kind of spilled out of his church setting, he had a trip to Australia that was already planned where he was going to do some teaching in Australia. So he went there, and for the first time in his life, he heard this view of the cross, that God, that Jesus was not being punished for our sin, but it was a curative. And he remember thinking then, why have I never heard this? Mm-hmm. You know, there he was in his, probably in his 30s at that time, having gone through seminary, having taught, hadn't written articles, hadn't written a book or so. And he's just hearing that for the first time. And I think that's part of that. We're kind of in a Western evangelical bubble here. Well, I'll we give you another reason. With yeah, go ahead. Because there's fear. Fear of, you know, you're tinkering yeah. with something <clears throat> where you're going to be accused of being a heretic. Yeah. You're going to be accused of being misunderstood. You're going to, you know, there's certain things, there's just certain doctrines yeah. that you can't hardly even discuss without just going ahead and giving right down the middle in Western evangelical circles the Orthodox view, or yeah. you're in trouble. And that's for him. That was probably why he was open to it at that time, because he'd already spilled, he had already yeah. lost it all. He had yeah. lost his standing, he had lost his position, he had lost his job with the church. And so, you know, he didn't have anything to lose at that yeah. point. Yeah. And um, I think it's probably what helps us a little bit since we don't, you know, in terms of income and standing, we don't have, you and I, Roger, don't have hardly anything to lose, yep. you know, other than a few podcast listeners <laughs> here and there. But we may pick up a few too, but we enjoy doing this. So anyway, that's not the best description of, of what's on my mind probably, and uh, it'd be good for me to think that through a little bit more, but um, we'll, we'll talk, about, we'll it talk about it again on the next podcast. Okay. Too. We, we, we haven't exhausted this yet. 